You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region. For more information, visit harvestyorkregion.ca. All right, let's get our Bibles out and turn to Philippians chapter 3 today. Philippians chapter 3, as uh, we continue in our series, In Between, uh, that time in our life, uh, between when we come to know the Lord Jesus Christ and that time we go to be with him in heaven, we are living in that in between. Today's message is entitled, It's Worth It. It's Worth It. Living in the in-between with all of its difficulties and all of its hardships and the stresses that we go through, it's worth it. We want to see that in Paul's life today as we consider where he is when he's writing these verses and what he's communicating to us, but that it is, it's worth it. Paul really writes this like um, a testimony, much like we would have if we were having a baptism Sunday. Um, he would start off, we would ask someone to tell us what you were like before you came to know Christ, and then tell us what happened in that intersection that happened when you came to Christ, and then uh, what's, what's it like now? And so kind of those, those three things, and that's exactly what we see in this text as uh, Paul lays out for us his credentials and who he was and all the rest, and then the amazing work of Christ, and then what he's looking forward to and what's happening in his life. It's a a great progression of thought as he's teaching the church at Philippi. And uh, so we're gonna look at Philippians 3, 1 to 11. Let's stand together as we read God's word. We wanna honor him as we read his word. Philippians 3, starting in verse one. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same thing to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word today. Thank you for the blessing that we've already heard in worship, in the uh, stories of this young family with a young child, father of a team that's going to Haiti, Lord. We've, We've already seen and been blessed by so much. And now, Lord, we have an opportunity to hear from your word, and I pray, God, that the proclamation would be clear. I pray, Lord, that you would give us ears to hear your word, minds to understand the truths of it, and then But Lord, would you do the transforming work of giving us passionate hearts to live out what we learned today? Father, would you do this work for your fame and for your glory? We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, you can take your seats. Well, just as a couple of comments about introduction before we get down into the um, it's worth it part of this message. Paul Paul starts out in verse one by saying, finally, finally. And uh, if this was a sermon, it would be bad. 
Okay, you're, you're halfway through, and the guy says, finally. You ever been in a church like that? And he says, finally, and then he goes on forever, right? Well, that's kind of what happens in the letter. And uh, so I try not to do that. Um, I try to save it till I get to the so what, and then you're like, oh, I guess, I guess we're going home. Um, so for him, though, right in the middle, he says, finally. And he's writing a letter, and what we need to understand, there isn't a really good English word for that. The word finally literally means as for the rest, as for the rest. So he goes, I'm going to give you the next part. As for the rest, here it comes. Finally, finally, he says, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. We keep going back to this in this text. Joy is the supernatural delight in the person, the purposes, and the people of God. Rejoice. Rejoice in those things because of the Lord and because of what he's done. It's really an equivalent to the Old Testament. Hallelujah. It's time for a hallelujah. And so he says, finally, rejoice in the Lord. That's something we need to cultivate. It's something we need to work at. It's a decision that we make. Finally, rejoice in the Lord. Then he says, to write the same thing to you is no trouble to me, but it's safe for you. Paul's about to lay down some things for them, for their safety and his care for them. And uh, so here we go. It's worth it. It's worth it when I realize who I was. It's worth it when I realize who I was. Look at verses two and three. Finally, my brothers, rejoice, excuse me, look out for the dogs, Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Uh, Paul starts out here by uh, setting a picture. There's a warning that he lays out. And the first part of this book is just filled with amazing teaching. And it's so loving and so caring and uh, just awesome how he teaches and brings them. And then he comes to this verse and he says, watch out, watch out. It's like there's an outburst here. And it's like, it's time to take note. And there's a warning. Something's going on in the church that needs to be addressed and must be addressed. And he doesn't step around it. He says, um, look out for the dogs. Look out for the dogs. Now, I want you to understand, we're going to see in just a couple of minutes, Paul's a list of his criteria and what made him think he was so godly. And I believe as he hits onto these things, he was realizing and seeing some things that that would have been his nature. It would have been the way he was. Because he's saying about things about legalism and Phariseeism that were creeping into the church. And so he starts out by saying, look out for the dogs. Look out for the dogs. Dogs would prowl the cities in that time without a home, without an owner, feeding on the trash and the filth in the streets and fighting with each other and attacking the passerbys. And just watch out for people who are like that. Watch out for the bottom feeders. Watch out for the dogs. Now, again, you have to understand in the culture of what he was saying, how significant this was, because he was writing to Gentiles, but he was also writing to Jews. And so the Jews love to refer to the Gentiles as dogs. And so as he says this to them, he's talking to the Jews, and he's calling them the thing that they found contemptible. So he says, watch out. Make sure this doesn't describe you. Look out for men who are quarrelsome and have a contentious spirit, who under the guise of religion, they hide impure and unclean things. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers, he says. This described those who were the legalists, 
who were working evil in the church, who were making people do things in certain ways. Watch out for the evil doers. He goes on and he says, watch out for those who mutilate the flesh. Well, what was he talking about? Well, he was talking about circumcision. Was circumcision wrong? Of course not. It wasn't wrong. The problem was the Jews believed you had to be circumcised to be in the body of Jesus Christ. And that, he got, Paul's like, that's just a mutilation of the flesh. That's not what's required to be in Christ. So the warning for them is watch out. Watch out for the Pharisees. Watch out for the legalists. Watch out for those who are adding to the gospel of, of Jesus Christ. Watch out for them. It says, for we are the circumcision. We are. We are the body of Christ. We are the ones who are in the faith. He says, we are the ones, those, those who, who worship who worship the spirit of God. When he used that term worship, he, it was the idea of service of Jehovah. And so again, what he was saying to them rang right in their faces for those who were adding and doing things. And he, we are the ones who are worshiping Jehovah. We are the ones who have the spirit of Jesus Christ in us. We are the ones who find our glory in Jesus Christ, not in doing things and, and being in the right place and doing it in the right way all of the time. It's not, it's not about those externals. We are the ones who are the circumcision. We are the ones who worship the spirit of Christ. We are the one who find our glory in what Christ has done for us. Not in what we do, but in what he has done. We put no confidence in the flesh. We don't trust in our own ability. I'm so thankful I'm not going to stand before God trusting in my ability to be there and have a right to stand before him. I will be there because of what Jesus Christ has done with no confidence in the flesh. So watch out. Watch out. Hey, Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region. Watch out for the dogs. We need to watch out for those who add legalism. We need to watch out for the Pharisee. We need to watch out for the person who says, unless you dress a certain way, you can't honor Christ. Unless your hair looks just right, unless you, you fill in the blank and it's not found in God's word and, and their righteousness is found in their, I always sit in the second row at the 11 o'clock service. I'm here early. Sorry if this reflects on any of you. Um, it, it, and that's what I have to do because if I didn't do that, something would be wrong. I joke about that sometimes when people come and they sit in a different place. You guys are sitting in a different place. I don't know if I'm supposed to look over here because you always sit over there. So you're obviously not legalists or you would be over there, right? And uh, watch out for people who have that kind of a spirit. Watch out for people who are Pharisees. What does that mean? Well, the Pharisees, who although they were passionate for God, passionate for him, they, they were sincere, but they were wrong. And uh, we're going to see that when we hear Paul's story in a second. But, but the reality was, what they did was, you had this nugget of what the truth was, and to protect that, they added all kinds of things around it. They made up all kinds of rules to protect this. The problem was, this stuff's not in the Bible. And so that's what they did. And so Paul's saying, watch out for people who do that. Watch out for people who make rules just to protect us, 
No, no, stay focused on the word of God and what it says and work those things and allow God to work in us. Allow God's spirit to challenge us and change us when we need to be changed. Watch out, he says. Watch out. He knew all about it because of his pedigree. He knew all about it because what he had come through and that's the next point, Paul's credentials. Look at verses four to six. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else think he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. So you think you've got it all figured out? You think you've got it all in place? He goes, I got more. I got more. Now you could go, that's a little arrogant, isn't it? Well, if you keep reading, you'll find out how unarrogant it is because he goes on as he gives his, his credentials, then he'll go on to see what he's done with all of that. But in verses four to six, down to verse five, he says, I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law. I was blameless, he says. I was blameless. Paul rolls out all of his badges. He rolls out all of his credentials. He just lists them all out for them. This is who I was. I, as I was thinking about that, I got thinking about the stock car driver, NASCAR driver, who, who wears his uh, fire retardant suit, and all over it are badges, right? There's all of his sponsors are on it and all the rest of it. And it's funny when they interview those guys because they try to talk about all of their sponsors in every interview, every time. Like, I'm driving the Target Pampers, Shell, Die Hard, Chevy, right? They got to roll it all out because that's how they get paid, right? Well, that's a little bit of what he's doing here. He's saying, this is what I was, and he, he rolls it out for us. And here's what he rolls out. He rolls out four things that were really his by, by birth. They were possessions that he had by birth, and they were things that before he was proud of. He says, here's the first one. I was circumcised on the eighth day in accordance with the Levitical law. He didn't have any choice in that. That was his. His family did it to him because the law said he needed to do it. But for him, that became, see, see, I've got it. I got that on my check. I was circumcised on the eighth day. The second thing he says, of the people of Israel. He goes, I am, you need to understand folks, I am a descendant. I'm a descendant of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. I'm an heir of God's covenant. So not only did I get circumcised on the eighth day, check, I am also, I am also of the people of Israel. And then he says, not only that, I was of the tribe of Benjamin. Yeah? So what, right? Well, okay. I was of the tribe of Benjamin. It's distinguished by the fact that the tribe of Benjamin gave Israel his first king, King Saul. It was the tribe that aligned itself with faithful Judah when Israel divided into two nations. It was the tribe where the city of Jerusalem was. And so it was just another thing for him on his, you see, I had it all figured out plan. And all of that was all given to me. And then he says, I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. That's really a poke at the, of the uh, Jews who in Philippi who are taking on so much of the Greek uh, thought and, and uh, embracing all the things that they did. And he goes, no, 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 I'm pure. I'm pure. So he has these four things which were kind of his by possession. That's what, look at who I was. And then he says, uh, look at what I did. That's the next three things. He said, uh, as to the law, I was a Pharisee. I was a Pharisee. He had gone to school. He had trained. He had worked hard. He was among the elite. 
He was scrupulous in his devotion and in his passion. The word Pharisee had the idea of being the separated ones. And he goes, that's what I've done. I've worked so hard so that I could be that. And I've got it. The separated ones. Then he goes on to, as to zeal, I was a persecutor of the church. He wasn't just an intellectual opponent of the followers of Jesus Christ. He was out there having people put to death. He was having people put in prison. He was doing everything he could to destroy the work of the gospel. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ and you wonder, well, who, who else would ever follow Christ? Why would I do that? Study this guy. He had it all. And the Lord Jesus changed his heart. And uh, he had zeal. As to righteousness, listen to the arrogance. As to the righteousness under the law, I was blameless. The Pharisees got to the place where they believed in their religious fervor that they were blameless. Now that's not true. It wasn't right. They fell far short of the standard God had made, but they didn't fall short of the standard that they had made. And so as Paul is talking to these people who are the dogs and warning the church, he's saying, hey, I had it all figured out. I had it all. I had all of the credentials. I had all of the criteria. I had all of the pedigree. That's who I was. That's who I was. And it's worth it when we realize who I was because it takes us to realizing who he is. See, it's worth it when we realize who he is and we get the focus off of Paul or the focus off of you and I and the focus on to who was the Lord Jesus Christ. Now look at verse seven. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. But whatever gain I had, Paul rejects his fleshly confidence all of that stuff he had. He said, hey folks, I have the right to speak to you about all of this, all of this, because I had it all. But anything that I had, whatever gain I had, I counted loss. I counted loss for the sake of Christ. The word gain is plural. So it's all of those gains that he had, all those things he talked about, all those accomplishments he had. He says, for all those things, all of those gains, the word loss is singular. The various gains are all counted as one big fat loss. Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Then he goes on and he says, indeed, so it's just like an exclamation mark, indeed, I count everything as loss. I count everything as loss. Well, we still don't know why really, because here it is, because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I count everything else as loss. Compared to knowing Jesus, everything I count is loss. At the end of the last service, because I didn't say it in the message, I said, okay, class, here's your assignment. Go home and, and write down, this is for you now, go home and write down the top 10 things that are in your life that, that are big priorities for you. 
and, and it might be your job and it might be your friends and it might be your family and it might be your, and it might be your, you'll have your list. Your list will look different than my list. And, and then ask yourself this question. And indeed, I count everything as loss. Can I take all of those things? Can I take my home? Can I take my retirement funds? Can I take my investments? Can I take, can I take them and take a pencil or a marker and put a big line right through each one of them and go, I count it as loss. I count it as loss for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I'd be willing to let it all go. I'd be willing to say goodbye to all of it. Yeah, I know you can sit here and go, yeah, 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 I think I could do that. I th- really? Does Jesus mean that much to you? He meant that much to Paul. Remember where he is. You see, he gave up all of those things, all of that stuff he had to come to faith in Jesus Christ on the Damascus Road, Acts chapter 16, 13, 9, wherever it is, it's in Acts. And he came to Christ and the Lord changed his heart. And now he finds himself in prison. He could have had it all. And he goes, I give it all up for the surpassing knowledge of knowing Jesus Christ the Lord. He had a view of who Christ was. He had a personal relationship with his Lord that it, was, it, it became easy for him to say, I don't want any of those things anymore. I want one thing. I just want Jesus. That's what I want. I just want Jesus. We understand that when we come to Christ in salvation that we are lost and there's nothing we can do to fix it that we're separated from God and our only hope is the finished work of Jesus Christ. And so we trust Christ and we realize that I can't, I can't. He did the work for me. He came, he died, he suffered, he rose, he intercedes on my behalf. God did it all for us and we love that part. We love that part and it's amazing and it's the gospel and Paul came to it and he wrote about it in Ephesians 2 and I quote this verse all the time. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift that comes from God. It's not on your works so that no one can boast because it's what God did for us. And so Paul goes, all that I had, I set it aside because of who Jesus is and what he has done for me. And Paul trusted the Lord Jesus Christ. He put his faith in Christ and he was saved. And now God is doing a work in his life and at this point in his life, he's he's lost it all. It's all gone. And he's sitting in prison and he's writing. It's worth it. It's worth it. I give it all up again for the surpassing knowledge of knowing Jesus Christ the Lord because he is our only hope. He is salvation for us. If you've never trusted Christ, you can. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved. And the work of Christ is available to you if you'll believe. In verse seven, he says, I counted Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. That's a picture of his salvation. But in verse 8, he goes on, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. That's the next 20, 30 years of his life as he, he learned and he surrendered. And, and that's what God called Paul to. God's not necessarily calling us all to the same thing. But the truth of what he was saying is there for all of us. And so what is it in your life? 
that's gained for you, that you're not willing to say, I, I would let that go. I would willingly let it go for the amazing knowledge and hope that we have in, in Jesus Christ. Paul understood that he was a mess and he realized that Jesus Christ was his savior. But then he also understood what he had become. So not only was there when I, I, it's worth it when I realize who I was and it's worth it when I realize who he is. It's, it's worth it when I realize who I am. It's real, when I realize what I have become, when I understand what I have become, the rest of it becomes so clear for us. And so what did he say? In verses eight to 11, he says, for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things. I've suffered the loss of all things. Uh, not merely an, inter, an internal spiritual, I'm willing to, I surrender all. Not like that. It's that. But it's that and it's everything. For his sake, for the sake of the gospel, I've suffered the loss of everything. I'm sitting in a prison. I'm not going anywhere. He doesn't even know if he's ever going to actually get back to see this church. And he's on the, it is so worth it plan. He goes on, he says, I count them as rubbish. All that stuff I had. He was on easy street. And all the stuff he says, he says, I, I count them as rubbish. That's a strong word in the Greek. In the ancient Greek word was rubbish. It had a one of two uses. The word rubbish either meant dung or it meant the table scraps that were left that you threw away that could not be eaten. So it's not a soft word. It's a hard word. So all the stuff in our society that we value so much all those things that we want to make sure we take hold of and we don't lose. He says, it's all dung. It's all table scraps. It means nothing to me. God help me because I'm not there. And God help you because you're not there either. But that we would see who Jesus Christ is and see him lifted up and see him glorified. And we get our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ and the things around us become so unimportant because Christ becomes everything for us. I count them as rubbish. And then he goes through a whole list of things that are the blessings that he has. He says, in order that I may gain Christ. In order that I may gain Christ. All of that stuff keeping people from heaven all over the world because I won't surrender who I am. I won't surrender what I have. I'm holding on to it. I won't let it go. He says it all means nothing. It all means nothing. In order that I might gain Christ, that I would have Christ. Then he goes on, he says, and be found in him. And be found in him. I love that word, the word in him. I love the fact that the day I stand before God, I don't stand by myself. I'll be found in Christ Jesus. We've talked about the illustration before when we get to heaven and it's like, uh, what, what am I doing here? I'm with him. I'm with him. I'm in him. It's what Jesus Christ did for me. That I would be found in 
Christ. Are you in Christ today? Is your faith in Christ alone for your salvation? Is your, is your sin covered by the blood of Jesus Christ? Are you in him? In order that I might gain Christ, Paul did, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own. Not having a righteousness of my own. Remember, he gave us the list. He gave us seven things that was all about his righteousness and how amazing he was and how he was past everybody else. And he goes, he goes that was nothing. It was useless before God. Not having a righteousness of my own, he renounces his own righteousness. And be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. Remember he said he was blameless? But that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. The righteousness that's put on us as we trust Christ in our justification. That transaction of the law, as it were, where I'm made just as if I never sinned. That's awesome what God does. Jerry, you're about as messed up as I was. And the Lord Jesus saved you. And he made you just like you never sinned. You know better than anybody else in the world how you don't deserve that. You didn't earn it. It wasn't yours. And God looks down at Jerry and he goes, because of Jesus Christ, he's clean. He's clean. Because of Jesus Christ, I'm clean. My sin is forgiven. The sin in the past, the sin in the present, the sin in the future, it's covered under the blood of Jesus Christ. It doesn't give me license to go and do whatever I want. It causes me to fall on my face before God because of the glory of his working I'm looking to do a message in a few weeks. We have a gap in our preaching calendar. We put a couple in this year and, and the Lord's just putting it on my heart. The message is nowhere near ready and the servant is nowhere near ready to give it yet, but it's gonna be called Broken by the Glory. Probably from Isaiah chapter six. And when we see God, we take hold of what he has done for us and we see the righteousness that we have because of him, it should break us so that we get to this kind of a spirit, this kind of a heart. Is it wrong for us to have things? No, it's not wrong, but things have us all of the time. And if those things were taken away, how would we stand and what would we do and where would our faith be? Paul said it's worth it because I realize who I am. I have a righteousness of not of my own, a righteousness that comes through Christ. And he goes, that I may know him, that I may know Jesus. That was his goal. I just want to know Jesus. I just want to know him more and more and more every day. I just want to know him. I don't, I don't want to know him just about his, the historical facts. I don't want to just know him about his doctrines. I don't want to just know him about his moral examples. I don't want to just know him about the work on our behalf. I don't want to know about those things. Lots of people know about those things and have never trusted Christ because I want to really know him. I want to really know him. Well, how do you really know someone? Well, I was thinking about that. And in our world, we, we use the idea of a relationship and closeness. It's become so flippant. I have over a thousand friends on Facebook. I only know about 200 of them, okay? And most of them aren't my friends at all. I don't even like some of them, all right? <laughs> but they're my friends. So we, we've taken words and we've made them so simple and and so when we talk about relationships with people and knowing people, I, I can say, well, I, mean, I know that guy. I know that guy. He comes to our church. 
I don't know him at all. I just know he comes to our church. There are lots of people, somebody comes in the staff, say to me all the time, do you know? No, they're that guy. And they describe him, oh yeah, 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 I know him. No, I don't. I recognize him, but I, but I don't really, I don't know him. I, I might be acquainted. We might have talked a few times in the foyer. I might have actually conversed with him. I, I might have actually even spent a little bit of time with that person, but I don't know that person. Uh, Sue and I, a few weeks ago, were coming back from Florida and we were at Fort Lauderdale Airport and, and uh, Brian Mulrooney walked in. If you're under 40, you don't even know who that is, right? So uh, Brian Mulrooney, he was one of the prime ministers of our country. And uh, he walked into the area and he sat down. I looked over and I go, that for sure is Brian Mulrooney. I said it to Sue, but I didn't want to make an idiot out of myself in case it wasn't. So I went by and I listened as he talked. As soon as I heard his voice, I go, that's totally Brian Mulrooney. Now you need to understand if you go through my Facebook page, you're not going to see my picture with people. Not with a lot of people. I'm not about, you know, I want my picture with that guy and that guy and that guy. But it's Brian Mulrooney for Pete's sake and he's sitting right there. That I want to get my picture with that guy. <laughs> so I went over and I introduced myself and I said hi to him. And, and I said, Mr. Mulrooney, would you mind if I got my picture taken with you? And he said, I'd love to do that. And he stood up. And if you're a Canadian prime minister, once you're done, they don't care about you, right? There's, there's no security. There's nothing for that guy. Okay. So, so wing nuts like me, or so anyways, I would talk to him, and he goes, no, I'd love to do this. He stood up, and he took a picture with me, and Sue took it, and then he, well, I gotta get a picture with her, and took a picture with her. Later on, I didn't tell this to the other services, but later on, he's walking through afterwards, and he comes by me, and he goes, make sure you get that on the front of the Toronto Star, he says to me, right, so. Okay, so, Brian Mulrooney and I, we're best buds now. Yeah, I know him. Here's the picture. I don't know him. I don't know him. I know a little bit about his past. I know that he lives half the year in Florida and half the year in the Montreal area. And, but I wouldn't have recognized his wife if she didn't come in and sit down with him and they didn't get on the plane together. I wouldn't, I wouldn't know who she was. I don't, I don't know him. I know about him. And Paul said, here's what I want. I want to know Jesus. I want to know Jesus at the deepest levels I possibly can. I want to get into this like I get into nothing else. I want to know Jesus Christ. See, because when you know Jesus Christ, the stuff you have doesn't matter anymore. It becomes all about him and who he is and what he's done for us. And if things have you, it's not the practice of I got to get rid of the things. It's that you got to get a right view of who Jesus is. I want to know him. I want to know him. Paul goes on and he says how that can happen. He goes, I can know him through the power of his resurrection. I can know him because of what he has done for me, because of what he has accomplished for me. Jesus Christ in his resurrection. It's the evidence and the seal that Jesus was, was who he said he was and he did what he said he would do. It's the evidence and the seal. Without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you are the most pathetic people in the whole world. But because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, his righteousness is on us. And we are to be in Christ. It's the evidence, it's the seal, it's the justifying power that I am in Christ and my sin is washed away. I've been made as if I had never sinned. It's the power of giving life to me in salvation that I can know him because he would save me from my sin. 
And it's the power and it's what I need for comfort and care in my life and the hope of eternal life that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. Wouldn't it be really cool if the text ended right there? We could just go, so what? And go home. But who I am goes on past that. Because the verse goes on, he says, and may share in his sufferings and may share in his sufferings. It's not an option. It's going to happen. I think Paul is referring to what he understood was going to come for him and because I want to be like him in his death. Paul wasn't saying, I'm going to die for people's sin. He said, Christ suffered and he died. And Paul believed, I think he knew that his suffering, he was going to die. That's what was going to happen. Um, he said, I want to be like him in his suffering. See, we all love the part of Jesus where we get saved. And we even are okay with the part of how he's sanctifying us in our day-to-day. But suffering for believers is all through Scripture. And Paul says, I, I want to be, be able to suffer like Jesus did. Was he gruesome? No. He just loved his Savior so much. And I don't know what that's going to look like for us as a church. I don't know what it'll look like 10 years from now. All I know is, is that it's not going to be like it is now. Because it's not like it was 10 years ago. And the world is turning on us. And we're going to be called to stand. Am I fearful of that? Mm. I'm not fearful of it. Because I know God will give me the grace when I need it to go through what I need to go through. But Paul said, uh, I just want to know Jesus. I want to know the power of his resurrection because that's the power that will help me to get through whatever we're going to need to get through in the days that are ahead, but it's what God is calling us to. And Paul says, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. And by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul looked so forward to being with Jesus Christ. He wasn't talking about different paths to God or anything like here. He wasn't, he wasn't being morbid. His goal was, I just want to be with Jesus. He wasn't, he wasn't uh, doubting his faith. He wasn't just like, in everything, in everything. I can't wait for the resurrection. Well, so what? For Paul, it was worth it because of uh, who he was. And then in the understanding of who Jesus was. And then the understanding of who he was in Christ. He was bought with a price. He was saved. He was part of God's family. He looked forward to the resurrection, which means we're in heaven. He looked forward to the resurrection to be with Jesus Christ the Lord. Well, what's the word for us today? Be on your guard. Be on your guard for the dogs. Be on the guard for the legalism that can creep into your life and my life. Be on your guard for pharisaicalism where we pour layers on that don't belong from scripture. Be on your guard if you think it's about who you are and what you've accomplished. Be on your guard about these things. 
And then you put your focus on Jesus Christ because in him, it's all gain. Everything, everything I had was lost. I counted it all lost for what I get in Jesus Christ the Lord. Looking forward to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Focused on these things. Focused on what God has done for us. Less and less focused on what I have and what I'm about in this world and more and more focused on who Jesus Christ is and what he's called me to. That I would be a man of God, you would be men and women of God who have a passion for the glory of Jesus Christ. And all this stuff is rubbish compared to the worth of knowing Jesus Christ, your Lord. Don't let your stuff, don't let your history, don't let your position get in the way of your relationship with your Savior because he's worth it. He's worth it. Let's pray. Father, this is your word and we thank you for it. Father, uh, this word to Paul starts out and he just kind of dives right in with a warning. Watch out, watch out. And Father, he had the pedigree, he had it all, and he realized it was nothing. It was all loss compared to knowing the worth of knowing Jesus Christ the Lord. God, would you do that work in our hearts today? Would you teach us that we can, we can take a look at the things we have and ask ourselves the question, do, do these things have us? Are they more important to us than our Savior, Jesus Christ? Break us of ourselves, God. Conform us to the image of Jesus Christ because of his righteousness that is in us. And then, Lord, give us passionate hearts to live for you. To live for you, Lord, the one who gave his life for us. We pray these things with thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen.